All right. Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Burgess Power Hour. It's me. I've been off and on the last four or five months or so. I've had uh, guest speakers and all kinds of uh, things that have been going on, so I couldn't be there. But uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm ready for you this this month for sure. We're going to be talking about free. So if you could mute yourself, I'd appreciate it. Or I can just mute everybody. Uh, okay. And uh, let's see if you could mute. Yeah. Okay, let me. And so, if you could, um, of course, as you know, with any power hour that we do, it's very, I give you information. We talk a little bit. There's some experiential type of information that you go into, perhaps, and find out and dig around in your subconscious because this is a, uh, this is not just a talking head experience. This is here for you to engage in and to learn from and for all of us to share whatever you feel. So get a pen and a paper out so that you'll be ready. So you can take notes, but also when we do a little bit of stream of consciousness writing around grief, then um, you'll be able to do that and we'll talk about it, okay? Uh, so that you're ready and prepared for that. So, uh, cause I like to um, have engagement and for us to share. So we are going to be launching our uh, Conscious Leadership Academy again. Uh, we did it in 2019 and we're doing it again, but this time it's going to be totally different in that we're having weekly calls and a lot of ways for you to connect to the community uh, throughout the year and each year. So it's a membership and we're going to be giving you all kinds of information about that as we go along throughout the rest of this year. Just be looking at your emails. If you're not already, in our email, just, uh, I'm sure you are now because you register for Power Hour. So, hey, you are with us. So you're going to get this recording. Um, so those of you who did register and you're not on the call tonight, you're going to get this recording. And those of you who are here, you get the benefit of being with us live. So I'm so excited. Although tonight's experience is about grief. So, yeah. Um, we had a lot of people register for this, so I imagine that people are feeling that at times because of what's happening in the world right now, what's happening in your world, uh, and we're going to be discussing and experiencing things around different kinds of grief and how to deal with it. Would that be cool? Yeah? All right. So uh, without further ado, and again, you'll have to unmute yourself whenever you want to ask a question or share anything. I just want to talk about a little bit about attachment to people. So it's hard sometimes, isn't it, to surrender. So for instance, if somebody leaves you or if somebody dies or uh, if you have, uh, there's all kinds of meanings to loss. There's all kinds of ways to have a loss in your life, okay? And sometimes it's really hard just to let go. And we get really attached to people and things that perhaps we feel lost without. And so we grieve them. So there's a lot of different ways to grieve. Um, but how can you love something or someone, our animals, our loved ones so much and not be attached to them? Right? 
So it's this always this question of attachment can cloud the truth, which is the truth for me. And the way that I feel is that we have our own connection and we have our own uh, void to fill up, let's, let's say. And if we feel like we've lost someone or we lose someone, that when we say I've lost somebody, that really does bring up grief. And it brings up that there's a loss of normal. This was normal. Now it's not. This was what was. So a lot of times we're grieving what was or we're grieving what could could have been. So it can be a loss of a friend or a loved one. It could be loss of a relationship, a loss of a pet or an empty nester. You know, people don't have to die to feel lost. And you don't have to get divorced necessarily or have a loss of a relationship to feel somewhat, what's my new normal? And so we're going to look at all different types of grief around this. And, you know, and ask yourself the question, do I move on? Am I the kind of person that moves on? Do I go next? Do I linger? So we're going to look at two different types of loss, I think, in grief, right? Tonight is about loss of death is for a lot of people, it's final. It's a final loss. Uh, change of relationships is a different kind of loss, maybe. But there's a death of relationship, right? There's a death of sometimes, again, what was normal or what could have been. And so we grieve it or we don't. Many of us have been taught not to grieve, that it's not okay, that you have to be strong and just let it go and move on. So as we all know, maybe you've heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who did the stages of grief, right? The five stages of grief. Um, and so the thing I want to share about Enough that, that, yeah. Hi, Audrey. Can you go ahead and mute yourself on him? Thank yeah, you. So sorry. Awesome. No worries. So she said about, you know, there's five stages and really we're going to add one more and we're going to shift it a little bit when we start talking about relationships. Okay. But she talks about uh, the five stages of grief. And the thing to remember is they're not necessarily linear. Okay. So it's not like one happens and then the next and then the next. You can you can experience a lot of these different stages at different times. So the first one is denial. So which we say, you know, a lot that happens usually right at the beginning when you're in denial about it. And I'm going to use just for instance, I'll use the pandemic just for fun <laughs> uh, about how we went into denial. Maybe I'm going to give an example of each of these. So, for instance, denial would have been this virus won't affect me. Okay. Or this denial, a denial could be it's not real, or a denial could be it's not going to be, it's not real. Okay. You're just in some kind of a denial. Okay. And I don't care about how you feel about the pandemic or how you feel about, you know, what your belief systems are around any of this stuff. I'm just using that as a, um, I'm using that as a way to give an example, okay? Um, then there's anger. That's another one. So an anger response could have been, uh, you're making me stay home and you're taking away my activities. Okay, we get angry about it. And then there's bargaining. And bargaining can be, okay, 
if I social distance for two weeks, everything will be better, right? So we start bargaining. And again, I'm just using the pandemic just as a an example. Um, the other stage is sadness or depression. I don't know when this is going to end. And we get depressed because it's definitely a new normal, or it was, or is. And finally, the last stage is acceptance. This is happening, and I have to figure out how to proceed. So just being able to accept something. Uh, and of course, as you might imagine, acceptance is where the power lies. We find control in acceptance. Uh, and again, just using the pandemic, I can wash my hands. I can keep a safe distance. I can learn how to work virtually. All those things we had to kind of negotiate and figure out, right? So that's the stages that she came up with. But the question I want to ask you is this, what happens when we die? My belief is that we have a unique signature. We all have an energy around us. You can call it a soul, a connection, spirit, something. Okay, energy of some sort. And it's my belief is we are eternal. Our soul and our connection is eternal. Okay, and you don't have to believe any of this. I'm just giving you, I'll be giving you some tools, in, by the way, throughout and at the end on how to deal with grief. Okay, so we all have these little, little unique signatures about who we are. And when we expand, my belief is we expand when we die, that there is no death in the way of our body dies. We have a physical death, but we expand our, into other dimensions or other energy. We morph in, back into all that is. That's my belief. doesn't have to be yours. So how do you go on, though? How do you go on without that person if they die? So a lot of us, if you can feel that we're autonomous and we're connected, to spirit or source or universe or God or whatever you want to call that, the more we feel connected, that we don't need another person to fill our void. In other words, yes, we'll miss them. Yes, it'll be different. Yes, all of that is true. But a lot of times we get into relationships in order to fill ourselves up, to say, please love me. Please love me so I know that I'm lovable. Prove to me that I'm lovable. And when that person, that person may try for a while, but let's say they leave or you get divorced or they die or something. And so where does that leave you? Unlovable? People talk about my other half. What does that make you, a half? So we get caught up in some of the, the consciousness that has been around relationships about the oneness of a relationship. Okay, and I want to give us a whole nother perspective of orbiting in love, which is what Buckminster Fuller talked about, is orbiting in love. If I'm whole and complete person and I'm connected to my source and I'm going to attract another whole and complete person and they're connected to their source and together, when we come together, we don't collapse into one. We expand into three, meaning there's me. There's you, and together, there's us. It's a whole nother energy. It's expanded. It's even bigger. 
it's even bigger than we can be by ourselves. And so, yes, if something happens to that person, I'll, I'll be sad. I'll go through all of those different stages. I'll feel, I'll miss them. And I don't lose myself because I came as myself. I don't lose who I am. So this grief can also feel like we're lost, meaning we don't have, who are we without that person or without that um, experience that we said, this is who we are, who are we? And so if we could look at perhaps relationships in a little bit different light, that it's an expansion, not a collapse of oneness, meaning, and I'm a, a minister, by the way, and I do a lot of, uh, uh, weddings for all of our graduates, which is my, one of my favorite things to do. But, you know, they talk about a unity candle. They talk about coming, coming together and we are now one, which is great. I'm just saying, perhaps look at a, a different way, perhaps of relationships. So this might help you with understanding perhaps a little different way of expanding yourself so that when something happens, because inevitably it will, either you leave or they leave, eventually just like a pet like when a pet leaves the reason why perhaps for many of us it's so overwhelming to us is because it's unconditional love that pet represents unconditional love which is something that many of us may not have felt before because perhaps what we have felt that love is it has conditions it's conditional love. There are strings attached. I have to do something to earn it. That's not, and that's a learned response, by the way. Maybe we we figured out at, at a young age that we have to earn someone's love by doing something for them. And that's why we do and do and give and give and say, please love me, please love me. I'll do whatever it takes. Okay, because we're, again, thinking we're not enough. And that's a learned response. And there's strings attached. If I do this, then you'll love me. Or if I don't do this, then you won't love me. So if we could feel unconditional love for ourselves, oh my gosh, how would that change things? Pretty good? Might be a little different. So people feel lost and alone because sometimes they're looking for love. They're looking for something to fill up their own void. And that can trigger loss when you're alone and you might ask yourself, will I ever have love again? So if we know that we're loved inside with our own connection, they may have left, but they've morphed. Maybe they, if they did die, they've morphed into a bigger energy. Do you believe that it's better to have lost some love than never have loved at all? I think that's what they say. Better to, yeah. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's something to hold to. Maybe not. But it, there might be some truth in that. And so the lost part of us really is all about us not loving ourselves enough to know that we're loved no matter what. To not ask another person or, or pet or anything to fill us up so much that without them were nothing. It's very romantic. 
However, it can get kind of squirrely when things happen, right? When people leave. So uh, Khalil Gibran talked about this. Um, and Khalil Gibran uh, wrote a thing called The Prophet. And they talk about the depth of the sorrow is the height of your joy. So if you look at perhaps that if they leave, it's because you had such joy with them, no matter what. And if, if you had so much joy, it really is equal to the, the sorrow that you feel now can be because of the height of your joy. It could be equal. So they talk about, they say, uh, when you're joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart. And you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. So again, a different perspective, perhaps. If you, they also said, if you would indeed behold the spirit of death, open your heart wide unto the body of life, for life and death are one, even as the river and the sea are one. For what is it to die, but to stand naked in the wind, and to melt into the sun. And what is it to cease breathing, but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God or the universe or spirit or creator, whatever you want to call that unencumbered. Okay. So that's from Khalil Gibran. And that is a, I always love that piece about um, expanding and that we never really die. So another part that I want to share with you before we go into a little bit, I want you to kind of dig around in there and see how you feel. Okay. Is I want to bring in also uh, a gentleman called David Pressler, I believe is his name. Yes. And he helped uh, Kuba Ross write the book and he talked about anticipatory grief, which is a little different than maybe you've heard. Anticipatory grief is that feeling that we get about what the future holds when we're uncertain. We Anticipatory grief is imagined futures. So there's a storm coming. What's going to happen? Oh, my God. There's something bad out there. Our primitive mind knows something bad is happening, but you can't see it. Don't know what's going to happen. And this breaks our sense of safety. Not only is it if somebody leaves us or if we're in grief about something, and we it, we also don't feel safe, perhaps. We're feeling that loss of safety, especially, like I said, around the pandemic and certainly around what's, can, what's happening in the world. There's a loss of safety for a lot of people. Okay. So unhealthy anticipatory grief is really anxiety. And that's the feeling that we're talking about. Our mind begins to show us images. Let's say you break up with somebody. Uh, what's the image you get? I'm never going to love again. We see the worst scenarios. That's our mind being pr protective. So our goal is not to ignore those images or try to make them go away. Your mind won't let you do that. 
and it can be painful to try and force it. And unfortunately, that's what happens for a lot of people when they just dismiss grief. They just move it, they compartmentalize it and put it somewhere in a box. Don't want to think about it. So the goal here is to find balance in the things that you're thinking. So that's number one. Find balance in the things that you're thinking. If you feel the worst image taking shape, make yourself think of the best image. The second thing to calm yourself when you're feeling anticipatory grief about you're not sure what's going to happen is you come to the present. Come to the present moment. And one of my favorite things to do about that is just you start naming things around your room. So let's say that you're in grief or you're anticipating anxious about something because you're not sure how you're going to live without that person or without that thing or how or this new normal. So you can look around and you start naming things. Computer, chair, picture of the dog, a, a rug, coffee mug. You start naming it. And you breathe because you realize in this present moment, if you can just come to the present moment for just a minute, nothing you've anticipated that you're afraid of has happened. This moment, you're okay. You have food. You're not sick. You have things around you. Use your senses and think about what you feel. The desk is hard. The blanket is soft. I can feel the breath under my nose. And this really helps you with your pain. So this is an opportunity. Getting present is a really great way to breathe, is a great way to get present, and to release some of the pain that you might feel at times around loss. You can also think about how to let go of what you can't control. So you can't control what anybody else does. You can't control if they're going to be saying anything to you or if they're focusing on something you can go take a walk you can't control those things you can only think about and control what you can do your thoughts your beliefs and your actions that helps alleviate some of the anxiety okay finally uh, also take stock on compassion stock up on the compassion that you might feel okay everybody has different levels of grief and fear and it manifests in a lot of different ways so for instance uh you might uh, you might have a co-worker or something gets real snippy and you're like well they're real snippy today what's their problem so that's not like this person but that's how they're dealing with their grief perhaps or that's their fear so be patient with other people and yourself Think about who that person really is and not who they seem to be in that moment. Because one of the added stages of grief that we want to add is wanting to have meaning. Have meaning. Like, what's the meaning? This needs to have meaning. This death needs to have a meaning. Or this loss has to have meaning. In other words, when you're in your darkest hours, sometimes we want meaning to it. Like, there's got to be a reason. And I always talk about, you know, a uh, pony. If there's a lot of poop everywhere, there's got to be a pony somewhere. 
That's kind of a joke. But anyway, meaning that, look, all this stuff is happening. There's got to, there's got to, I got to, I have to find meaning to this. So, for instance, in the pandemic, the meaning may have been, okay, we now realize that we can connect through technology and we're not as remote as we thought. We can have long conversations. We can take walks. You know, we there's a meaning to it, perhaps, and it gives us a little more uh, depth in why all this is happening. So if you name it, if you name your grief and you say, I'm grieving, I'm sad, I feel, okay? When you name it, you feel it and it moves through you. Emotions are energy in motion. Energy in motion. Emotions need motion. It's important that we acknowledge what we're going through. And I feel like it, it's an unfortunate bypass. A lot of us that are in self-help or wanting to, uh, this is probably one of the new first generations to have feelings around our feelings. Meaning that we just want to let go of our feelings and not have them. We tell ourselves, you know, we maybe we tell ourselves, I feel sad, but I'm not supposed to feel that. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to focus on the good things. I shouldn't feel that. I Other people have it worse than I do. Why should I feel this way? So we stop at that. If we can just stop at the feeling itself and just say, hey, I feel sad. Let me go for five minutes to feel sad. So your work is to feel your sadness and fear and anger, whether or not someone else is feeling something. So give yourself permission to feel. Fighting it doesn't help because your body is producing that feeling. So if we allow the feelings to happen, they'll happen in an orderly way and it empowers us. What I mean by orderly way, sometimes we try not to feel because we feel like we're going to get stuck there. We're going to be in this bottomless pit of feelings. If I feel sad and I let that in, it'll never go away. So the gang of bad feelings will overrun. So the truth is, for me, feeling moves through us. Okay? Any questions so far? Because then I'm going to tell you about the relationship part of some of the different stages there. And then we'll go in and do subconscious a little bit of how you feel. Okay? Any questions or comments so far? That means you have to unmute. Okay. All right. So the stages that we want to talk about in a relationship when you feel lost, okay, is the first one is we're desperate for answers. We want answers. Desperate for answers. The drive to know, like we must understand why this happened, maybe beyond anyone's ability to explain it. So we fixate on things that maybe our ex said at various times that you see as contradicting the breakup. And you hold on to them as gospel. So yet somewhere within you have moments of clarity too. You likely swing back and forth between foggy disbelief and the daily moment-by-moment -moment rediscovery of the magnitude of loss 
and it flashes painful clarity that, of course, it's over with. So we're desperate for answers. We go back and forth about why. The second one is denial. This can't be true. This isn't happening. You just cannot be without that person. It feels like you put everything you are and have into that relationship. And it's been your world, your life. You cannot accept that it's over. So you funnel every last hope into saving it, right? Even at the expense of your well-being. You postpone your need to grieve its end. Because it's just too painful to face. So in doing so, you temporarily derail the grieving process. Have you done this? <laughs> you guys done this before? You, you start replacing it with unrealistic uh, hope sometimes that the relationship, maybe it'll be salvaged. Maybe it can still be salvaged. And so that can last for quite a while. And so then you go into bargaining. That's the third one on relationships is bargaining again. You're willing to, to do anything to avoid accepting it's over. You'll be a better, more attentive partner. I'll do anything. Everything that's been wrong, you'll make it right. The thought of being without your ex is so intolerable that you will make your own pain go away by winning him or her back at any cost. So we start bargaining. You try your hardest during this phase not to lose sight of the fact that both participants in the relationship contributed to its end. This is important to understand. You can't possibly take on the responsibility for everything. So if you go in there and try to promise to fix all the problems between you, you're placing the entire burden of repairing, maintaining, and sustaining a relationship onto yourself. And that's exhausting, right? So the fourth one is relapse. Because the pain is so intolerable, you may actually be able to convince your ex to try again, right? You temporarily relieve the agony of withdrawal. You start withdrawing, having withdrawals rather. However, despite your best efforts, you will not be able to carry the relationship solo, I know. It's hard. It's really hard being in a relationship when you're the only one in it. Unfortunately, you may need to go through this process of breaking up and reconciling more than once before you're absolutely convinced it's time to let go. Is this resonating with anyone? Everybody, I don't see anybody except Bob. and Okay. The fifth and last one is anger. Again. So initially, you may not be able to connect with your feelings of anger. Breaking up, plummet you into the unknown, which can evoke a mobilizing fear and dread. Fear at that point trumps anger. Therefore, when anger sets in, it's because you have let go of some of your fear. And at least just for temporarily, you let it go. And when you're able to access your anger, the experience can be empowering. Because at the very least, there are little shades of remembering that you matter. You matter too. Of feeling justified and realizing that you deserve more from a relationship. So it can really up-level you by feeling angry. 
depending on your specific temperament, life, and family experiences, as well as your unique breakup, your anger may be directed at your partner, the situation, or yourself. The good news, okay, is that your anger, no matter where it's directed, is meant to empower you, whether you choose to see it that way or not. It can provide some type of direction and create aliveness because a lot of times we feel dead inside when there's a lot of loss. So what anger can do is can open up a portal for us, a life force portal. So at least we're remembering that we deserve to live and that there's something more for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it can create a lot of discomfort for us. But through that discomfort, it can bring new perspectives. So if we get caught in a rut about that this is just the way it's always going to be, tapping into our anger is really can be a portal that can rise and raise the vibration for you to have more aliveness in your energy and in your body and in your mind. And you can make changes and be proactive. Okay? So speaking of being proactive, let's do a little bit of a consciousness, uh, stream of consciousness writing. And what that means is I'm going to say a couple of sentences and I want you to fill in the blank. Okay. So you write the sentence and then you just fill in the blank. And just think about the first things that come up. Don't edit it. Don't figure it out. Don't try to make it right or whatever. Just write down the first thing that you can think of. Okay. So I need a love partner in my life to, I need a love partner in my life to what? Write down the first thing that comes up. And then the next one. Finish up on that one. When I break up with someone, I feel blank. When I break up with someone, I feel... And then finish up on the one you're on. It doesn't have to be a long thing. Just think of the first things. And the next one is when, when someone breaks up with me, I feel... When someone breaks up with me, I feel...
and finish up on the one you're on. And the last one is when someone I love dies, I feel when someone I love dies, I feel Okay, so like I said, I'm going to give you some tools, but I want to hear from you if you feel like it, because we can learn from each other about what you wrote, maybe getting some clarity, clarity around how you feel and what this brings up for you. And then I can give you, uh, I'm going to give you some tools on how to deal with it. I'll let it go. Does anybody want to share anything that they wrote down? Because you learn from each other. Yes, Lorraine. You have to unmute yourself. Huh? Hey, Burge. Hi, hey. everybody. Uh, what I was surprised when I break up with someone, I feel relieved. So typically for me or in my past, it's been a relationship that hasn't been right for me. Uh, I don't typically break up with someone who there's still something in the relationship. So it's usually a moving on and I feel relief. Do you ever feel, um, so this is great. Thank you for that. I want to ask about the other things that you wrote, but um, to ask yourself um, when I feel relieved, do I, do you grieve what could have been? I am sure there's that piece there. Like, the, the potential of someone hoping that there's that potentiality or somebody who could bring more into the relationship for me, for me. It's interesting. I'm saying for me, it's about, uh, I'm looking for the word because it's right there. It's about energy for me energetically so if that person's energy no longer fits for me i'm okay with it okay okay and when someone i love dies i feel what sad okay so you it, feel, go ahead what's interesting here Burge, is to share i it takes a lot for tears to come and to really get into that grief. So that's what drew me to this particular evening uh, power hour. Um, just to see if I could touch some of that that grief and that pain underneath and, and to feel it. Um, I lost a really close friend during COVID. And I was sad. But where's the tears? So I'm judging myself on the tears. Okay. Okay. 
And remember what I said about sometimes what we go to around grief, we think we're going to get stuck there. And, and that is uh, also not just getting stuck there, but we're, it's not okay. It's not okay for us to feel sad. We're supposed to feel X, Y, Z. We're supposed to focus on what we want. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to let things go. And so oftentimes we spiritual bypass or emotional bypass some of the quote feelings that we don't want to feel because we think we'll get stuck or we beat ourselves up that it's not okay to even feel that. That could be perhaps why there's this question of why can I even cry? Yes. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, somebody. Oh, oh, Kate's showing up on the screen. Okay. Yes, I have Kate and I have Leslie and um, another Leslie, I think, wanted to share. But does that make sense, Lorraine? It does. And I, I, I contemplate the um, the bypassing of it. It's almost like I want to cry. I want to feel it. I want to have that good cry. And there's something. There's definitely a block in there. So this is good. I, 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 I want to cry. <laughs> Oh, I'll make you cry, girl. You have. You have. You have. <laughs> Those of you who have done Essence of Being in any of our works, you know. That's... You have you have certainly made me cry. You made me cry, Burge. Well, let me just say, releasing toxins out of her body and crying is just part of the process. And maybe you want to. But I guess the question is, when you start thinking about, I want to do this, then it puts it into that prefrontal cortex of thinking about crying as opposed to allowing it to be in your body and settle in your emotional mammalian brain, which is your actual emotional body. And that emotional body perhaps in the past has been shut down. And so the shutdownness of being non-emotional, but like a lot of us don't live in that intensity. We don't want to feel the anger or the sadness so we don't feel the joy or the, you know, we we kind of shut that down and we live in the in between. Mm -hmm. That may or may not be you, but I'm just saying perhaps. No, that's really you, good. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. Thank you. You're welcome. Kate, did you want to say something or Leslie? Or yeah, I yeah. sure. So I feel like I'm in a different pool than Leslie. Like I got stuck in the grief part of it's been 30 years yeah since my mom died yeah and i just got stuck yeah on survive i breathe i eat um how many workshops have i been to um but i still feel like my world doesn't make sense without her question why am i here She's not here. I shouldn't be here. Um, and I, in in, uh, uh, a kind of a backward way, I think I've. I told my brother this the other day. I was like, "Oh, I think I've I've kept people out of my way relationship wise because, um, you know, if I leave first right i can't be left i can't right. feel abandoned that's right um, i don't feel left behind that's right um, so 
So honey, let's just the, keep everyone out there. Yes. So this that's, is ridiculous. Because that's not what I want. It's not ridiculous. This is just the way it's been for you, huh? So it's a great awareness to have that I'm 30 years. It's a it's a great awareness, first of all, to acknowledge I'm keeping people away because I don't want to feel this again. Right. I don't want to get another dog because I don't want to put my dog down again. That was the worst day of my life. Right. My mother, my father, all these people have left me, but that was tough because I had to make that decision. But you're stuck in that part of perhaps, right, that I I don't want to ever feel this again. I will never allow love in my life to that extent where I feel this emptiness and this sadness because it's overtaken me. Right. Therefore, I will keep everyone at bay. And I'll just be, you know, surfacy and never know, never go to that place again because it's taken a risk. Right. So for you, honey, and any of you out there that maybe that's been your experience as well. You know, the question you want to ask yourself, and, and I get it about I, I want to go first or I just want I don't have a reason to live is again, can you have and would you choose unconditional love for yourself? that you deserve to have love in your life and allow it to come through. When you connect with your mom on another plane, and by the way, I'm going to give you guys a tool tonight on how to do that. Hmm. You connect with your loved ones. Let's say they pass through the veil and you connect with them on another plane. You ask for their grace, their support, and choose aliveness to have them guide you, to have them guide you in living. Because Ask yourself, would they want you living the way that you've been living the last 30 years in sadness? No. Them, no. So this is where you go to, honey, and you just have that moment. I think this um, ceremony that I'm going to give you guys is going to be extremely helpful for you to okay. do this with your mom, but also to give yourself permission to feel and love again. Okay. And as much as it feels foreign or you're taking a risk but are you not worth the risk i am you're, you're here for a reason miss katie Kate. I know. i've been through um you're here yes and you're here for a reason remember i was talking about meaning letting that be another stage of the grief process find yeah. me find the meaning in this and perhaps if you find the meaning in a really powerful way where you can be an inspiration to others, mm -hmm. to find that meaning, then it's less sadness and it's more gratefulness that you can get to. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I feel like I should I should be done with this. Right after she died, it was two weeks, two weeks since I, I should be over this. Like hey, you know. stop shooting on yourself, it gets messy. So it, the fact that you still feel deeply, honey, is is a testament <laughs> to mm -hmm. how deep your yeah. your feelings are. So I would just let that part go. Let's do this ceremony, yeah. and people are like wanting to share. So Bob and Leslie, Leslie, did you want? It? So is that okay for you for now? Katie? It is, Bert. Thank okay. you. Okay, Leslie. I was just. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Yeah. I was just, I was just gonna say my father died. Um, almost 40 years ago. And it's always been an open cut in our family. I mean, I would never got over it still. And my mother's dying downstairs for me right now. We have her in hospice. She's comfortable. I've had the grace of being her nurse. I've had the grace of being with her 
every step of the way. And I feel like I'm escorting her out of this world in a very safe and non-turbulent way. Although she was angry today, <laughs> but she's comfortable and she's safe. And I feel really proud of that. Um, and when you say you've been grieving for 30 years, there's no timeline for grief. <laughs> they say a lot of people say that there is, and that you should go to a counselor and get over that and da da da. There's no timeline. That's just rubbish. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I agree. I agree it's finding. I just want to say to you, honey, that you, the sacredness of what you are doing right now is so, such, we're doing it with such grace and connection. And it is a sacred journey, absolutely guiding and graduating them to the next step. And I honor you. I feel, I feel honored doing it, yeah. but there's a level of stress of yeah. being the nurse part that has been absolutely a struggle because I'm having to say, you know, honor her wishes not to have oxygen as a nurse. We want to give them oxygen. We don't want them to have to struggle to breathe or anything. She's not really struggling because we keep giving her morphine, but it's, it feels terrible on some so, level, so but at the same time, I know that that she, I think I'm doing the right thing. And I think my siblings are doing the right thing. And, but, you know, I keep, I keep trying to manifest and try to pray and, and to, and to do all the things that you taught me, Burge. And some of it's a little difficult, you know, it's, it's hard. And I'm, I, I don't know. I so I, I need your help a little bit. I, no, I hear you. It, it can be hard. Trust your instincts Trust your yeah. own guidance because what she might be saying physically to you about she doesn't want this or that what she has said in the past, trust your instincts and talk to her higher self. This is a higher self question for her and for you to have a conversation on another plane so that you can say, you know, I, I know you said no oxygen, but this is um, it's not about keeping you alive. It's about um keeping you uh, from struggling and for me to not watch you struggle. So it's a, it's a kind of conversation you can have on a higher plane. And with that, just trust your intuition because it's never wrong. And uh, trust me, whatever she has said before or did, it's all going to be, for, it'll all be forgiven when she's actually at the point where she's totally let go. And that's what I, that's what I feel. I feel that. And she said something horrible to me today. And I said, you know, that sounds like a patient in the hospital, right. you know? Right. So I had to just move on, you know, yeah, don't take anything that's personal right now. Cause she's in between. Right. She so is. Don't take anything and don't take anything uh, personal and being a death doula. There's a whole process that you can, uh, work with her on this if you want to reach out to me about that I'll be happy to support you in that too honey. but get help with support of just knowing it's not um, not your responsibility about when she goes or stays it's her choice and no matter what you do or say it's always going to be her choice even though it doesn't feel like it or look like it it's something that she's she chooses when she goes
Okay. Maybe I'll email you some other stuff. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. Burge okay. at essenceofbeing.com will be happy to. And by the way, everybody, yeah, everybody uh, you'll be getting an email after this call um, for a free 30 minute strategy anyway. So take me up on that offer. Okay. If you, if you have some other things you want to kind of move through, I'm going to be Thank you, uh, sending that out. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Bob, did you want to say something or Leslie real quick? Um, I, well, listening to what people have shared, I can't help but think of um, anticipatory grief because, you know, it's, <clears throat> let's see, I'm T minus a week from the 13 year anniversary of my husband's death. Um, and I'm becoming aware in just this hour about how I've been keeping people at bay because I sure as hell don't want to go through this again. Um, but I've also been able, you know, I, I sort of have accumulated a little wisdom around it. You know, I agree. There is no timeline. And, you know, in the back of my head, I came up with the thought of, you know, at what point am I willing to move forward? And my grief is a five pound love handle as opposed to a 35 pound pot belly because you know i i like the image of the grief doesn't shrink but i grow i i like that that okay i'm growing so at some point this 35 pound pot belly of grief is going to become a five pound love handle and i i want to get to that point I love I love that perspective um, for sure. But as you know, we eat to uh, fill ourselves up and we do do that. We want to fill ourselves up, fill up that hole, that void and certainly not do not want to go through that again. So we keep people at bay. So that's that's brilliant. I mean, to be aware of that and to know that when you're doing that, that's just a behavior of wanting to be um to feel safe and to feel loved and to feel nurtured. And that's how many of us may nurture ourselves uh, is doing that. And so we're just trying to fill up that void again. So ask yourself and all of you out there again, am I worth unconditional love? Can I love myself unconditionally? Can I do that? Would I do that? When? So I'm going to give you, thank you all for sharing that. And I guess Leslie dropped off. So um, I want to give you some affirmations, okay, for all of you to use. And then I want to give you a little ceremony before we leave here, okay? So some affirmations that might help uh, with all of this is saying, I am willing and allowing, I am willing and allowing to release the need I am willing and allowing to release the need to blame or shame myself. I am willing and allowing to release the need to blame or shame myself. Another affirmation would be, I am willing to see my perfection. I am willing to see my perfection. 
And one more is, I withdraw my energy. I withdraw my energy and focus from the past. I withdraw my energy and focus from the past. And release all barriers. I withdraw my energy and focus from the past and release all barriers. Against the love that I know is my birthright. I withdraw my energy and focus from the past and release all barriers against the love that I know is my birthright. And I always end everything with I pray or I meditate or I choose to focus on the highest good for all concerned. That's always a great one just to use for anything, really. But I pray for the highest good for all concerned. Whenever there's an overwhelming, intense feeling and you're not sure what to do, I just pray for the highest good for all concerned. You can't go wrong doing that. The highest good for all concerned. And this ceremony I want to give you for anybody who has passed on and gone through the um, veil and have graduated is to do this candle ceremony. So you get a white candle and you, um, it's the kind of candle that has a flame, not the kind that goes in a glass. It has its own flame, like a taper candle. Okay. And you set it in front of you and you light the candle. And when you light the candle, you call your loved one's name out loud. And just do this one at a time. If you've got other people you want to do it all at once, just one person at a time. Okay. You call their name out loud. You watch the flame. And when the flame flickers and goes up like this, it'll go like this a little bit. Then you know it's time. Okay. Just kind of watch the flame. And when it goes up, that means that their unique signature has been drawn to you. So now you can, um, you know that their energy is there with you. And then you want to say out loud all the things that you want to say to them. You want to cry. You want to scream. You want to laugh. You want to say, are you okay? Where are you? I hate you. I love you. Why did you do this to me? Why did you leave? Are you okay? Whatever it is, all the emotions, all the thoughts, all the feelings, just let it all just throw it out there and say it out loud. Boo-hoo, whatever, whatever you need to do. I'm angry at you for leaving me. Okay, all of those questions or thoughts that you have. So you just let it all out. Then when you feel like you're complete for now, you close your eyes and you say to yourself, or out loud, you say, is there anything you want to say? And you close your eyes. And then listen. Whatever comes into your heart and into your mind, know that it's real, that you're getting a message, and that it's real. And just listen to what the messages are. What is? What do you hear? What do you feel? What do you think? What's coming in? 
and trust that it is real. Then once you feel like those messages have been sent and that you've gotten it, then you open your eyes and you say out loud, we are complete for now. And you blow the candle out. Okay. So this is a ceremony that you can do for grief around people who have passed on to the other realm. Doesn't matter how long it's been. It could be just last week. It could be 50 years ago. Doesn't matter. But if you do this, if there's a peace and serenity that will come to you from at least feeling somewhat complete, a little more complete with the whole process. So it feels uh, serene and peaceful. Okay. Uh, it really works. So I would suggest you all try that. It's really, really good. And I appreciate all of you being on the call tonight. Um, I know it's a tough subject sometimes. Uh, so, but next month, by the way, uh, I was going to do something else. We don't have time, but next month I'll bring it in about, uh, it's going to be, remember, it's always the third Wednesday of every month and November, it's going to be November 15th, which is the third Wednesday. Bridging our differences for unity. I feel like it's really important that we kind of go there. Bridging our differences for unity based on what's happening in the world again, continuing. Okay. Um, and why there's so much grief going on in the world and what we can do about it from our little perspective. Okay. And be looking for our Conscious Leadership Academy launch. I cannot wait to share it with you where we're going to be able to integrate things every week with each other. Um, and you'll be getting, you'll be getting these kind of calls um, every week where you can actually experience different topics and different things and different keeping us integrated and uh, certainly on track. Sometimes if we go off track is to help with the community of support. Okay. So just be looking for emails around it and, um, uh, just know that it's going to be starting in January. All right. And those of you who haven't done Essence of Being, just watch for uh, what we're doing next year. And I love all of you and look forward to playing with any of you that want to play. And I hope that you got some value out of tonight. And look for that email uh, for uh, getting a 30-minute strategy session or just kind of a in-depth session with me for 30 minutes. Uh, I'll be sending that out after this and this recording. So. Until we meet again. Thank you, Birch. Thank Love you. you. Love. Thank you very much. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, Birch.